Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. We'll take on a new horse training or horse care topic in every episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the ride. I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here with Julie Goodnight. And Julie, today we're going to talk about behavior. Today we want to talk about audible communications, what your horse does to communicate with others in the herd. And I know you have some fun scenarios or things you hear about all the time of people talking about the noises their horses are making and what can they do about it. So tell me a little bit about what you hear the most about when it comes to horses making noise. Just like last weekend at the clinic I was doing, and almost every... um, clinic that I do, people ask, how do I make my horse stop whinnying? And so, you know, the typical scenario is you go to a horse show or you go to a clinic, let's say, or any place that takes your horse away from his herd, his home herd. He's upset about it. It kind of, it gets exacerbated if you brought two horses and you're leaving one um, within earshot back in the trailer and you're taking the other mm-hmm. one to the show ring or to the clinic ring. And, you know, last weekend it was a gal that had brought two horses. And so anytime she separated them, the other one just had a meltdown and they were both constantly whinnying to each other. There was no way to get them out of earshot. So as long as they could hear each other, that was going to continue. And so the question that comes always and frequently from people is how do I get my horse to stop whinnying or um, you know can I punish my horse for whinnying but the whinny is just one of four audible communications a horse makes horses are very communicative animals because they live in the herd and the herd has hierarchy and rules and and um, you know activities that the herd engages in and communication is a big part of their behavior but most of their behavior is not audible. Most of their behavior is, you know, postures and gestures. But a horse does have four audible communications. Um, each has a specific meaning and means the same thing every time. You know, the whinny is one of those four behaviors. It is a it is a social call. It's a searching call, and it means where are my friends? Or, if in the case of maybe you've gone somewhere alone with your horse. He's searching for anyone to be his friend. He's saying, is anyone out there willing to be my friend and let me into their your herd? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a horse that feels very alone and is searching for either a, a known herd mate or any herd mate in desperation. It can be embarrassing as a horse owner to have your horse being the one that interrupts, especially in that clinic scenario that you're talking about. Is there anything you should do about it for that scenario? The short answer is no. You cannot, when a horse is whinnying, he is expressing his emotion in that moment. And his emotion is that he feels desperately alone and insecure and he, he, he's desperate for a herd, you can't punish him for having right. an emotion. There are certain actions you can take. It's important that you understand all the audible communications a horse makes because it is insight into how he is feeling mm-hmm. in that moment. And you may or may not take action based on that, but it's always important to know how your horse is feeling in that moment. Right, and rather than be embarrassed, focus on what your horse may need or that maybe you need to up your relationship a little bit so he doesn't feel so worried when he's just with you another time. Exactly. If you can give him the same satisfaction he gets from the herd, which is safety and comfort, then he'll, he won't feel alone anymore. Right. And that's why not, not every horse is winning because not every horse feels that way. Let's take a look at all four of the auto-communications. Behaviorists and scientists look at things like this. Um, What they look at is 
what is the, the most purposeful meaning behind the behavior? And, and of course, to that we would have to consider feral horses or horses that were truly living, living in a herd state as nature mm -hmm. intended it. And um, so when we look at the verbal uh, communications, it's no different than any other behavior that a horse has. We look at what's the purpose of the behavior. And so obviously the purpose of all four audibles is to communicate. But what are they communicating? So the whinny okay. is a social call. It's a searching call. It's considered a gregarious behavior of horses. They're drawn to the herd always and strongly. It's, it's one of their strongest instinctive drives to be drawn to the herd. And um, so the whinny means where are my friends or is anyone willing to be my friend? So in the wild, it's how horses find each other. Each horse has a distinctive whinny. And, and anyone who's been next to a horse that belts one out knows it's extremely loud. <laughs> and uh, it will carry a long way. Here, uh, here where I live out in the uh, Rocky Mountain West, um, I can see long distances. I can see ranchers, ranches that are you know, a mile away. I can mm -hmm. see you know, horses and cattle that are a mile away. And, and on a still day, horses can actually call to each other. My neighbors who are maybe a quarter of a mile away, uh, she rides her horse down here. They can hear the horses back at her place. So mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a distinctive sound. And uh, I always remind people, if you keep your horses at home, you may not realize this, but you probably already can tell the difference between your horses. Sure. Winnie's, even ourselves, we, we use that information when we hear that horse whinny. We know which one it is, and we probably know who he's calling for and who answers back. And mm -hmm. So that's the whinny. Um, the other similar um, audible communication is the knicker, and that's the soft kind of a purring sound that a horse makes. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a very common thing that we hear all the time. It simply means, um, come to me. Or in the case of a stallion showing off to a mare, it, it may mean, look at me, or aren't I coming? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's most purposeful behavior, it is, it is more of a reproductive behavior, so it is most purposeful between a mare and her foal. Uh, that foal wanders off, gets in trouble, and the mare says, <laughs> get back over here. Get over here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and also between that stallion and mare, and it's when the stallion is trying to flirt with the mare or impress the mare of his prowess. And it always means come to me. It may yeah. mean come to me, winch, and bring me the food. Uh, they nicker every day at feed time because that's what they're saying. Bring me the food. I know you have it. Right. And uh, so that's a nicker. So then the the, uh, the next two sounds are somewhat uh, more alarming in nature. And the first is the snort. And that's when a horse was forcefully out his nose. And he can, he can add a little rattling sound to it if he's really alarmed. And not to be confused with the sneeze, which we hear all the time, which is, that's a horse just clearing his nose out, clearing his airway. Um, but the snort, the horse will have his head up high. He would, he'll be looking far off in the distance usually. He'll be, um, you know, sort of tense and, and on the muscle, and he'll blow forcefully out his nose. And the snort is believed to be a warning to others that there's something threatening in the environment. So the horse that's snorting, um, has detected a threat, or um, he's playing, and you'll see it a lot when you, when you turn out confined horses and they run and 
buck and then they run to the far end and put their head up mm -hmm. and snort and then they run back the other <laughs> end. Um, same behavior, same meaning, but they're playing. Um, they're practicing their flight response and, um, and that's part of the game. Um, but you'll often hear horses snort. Uh, you may, you know, out on the trail, if you ride in areas where you might potentially encounter uh, mountain lions or, uh, you know, the smell of bear or, or even elk, uh, you know, most horses will snort if they start smelling elk mm -hmm. riding up in the mountains around here uh, or moose. Um, you know, that's the... That's what we're saying, you know, it's an alarm. Yeah, there's something out here that's not sitting well with me. So, um, and then the final, the fourth one is the squeal. And it's a very loud, angry, screaming type sound. Everyone's heard it if they've been around <laughs> horses much at all. Um, and it's often heard from mares uh, when, when they're in season and they don't, and it means um, I'm about to become aggressive. So it's a warning to another horse that I am about to become aggressive. And um, can be a threat, can be for real, um, but that means basically um, we're about to have a fight. And so, you know, a mare will squeal off the advances of a stallion, um, and the smart stallion is well advised to back away at that point. <laughs> And, um, you know, two horse, two strange horses encounter each other. They'll come nose to nose, smell each other. They'll go nose to gentle, they'll smell each other. Then they come back nose to nose. And, we'll, and then one of them may squeal. And um, if they continue to posture after one of them, you know, hopefully when one of them squeals, the other one backs down. Right. Um, but if not, and they both continue to posture, they're probably going to start some striking and, uh, and actual aggressive behaviors. So, um, so those are the four, four audible communications. They're pretty much consistently mean right. the same thing all the time. I can't really um, think of an instance in my 58 years where I, um, I thought any of those sounds meant anything different. Um, and and so it's good to know. It's important to understand your horse's emotional state at that moment. And um, you know, understand what how he's communicating. Are there any of these sounds that, if you're with your horse, you should take as a warning or do something about? So we know with the whinny, you said not to to punish that, but what about the knicker in that scenario of feeding the horse? Is it okay to feed your horse when he says "come to me"? Is there anything you should know about sure. or interact differently with? You know, again, uh, the, for the knicker, it's more about awareness. And I like people to, um, if, the, if your horse is knickering at you because you're about to come to him and give him a cookie, you have a big problem because that horse thinks he's ordering room service from you. <laughs> that horse thinks he is controlling your actions, and guess what? He is. And so when a horse controls the actions of another horse and takes away food from him, Mm -hmm. He's dominant 100% of the time. So if in the case of a knickery, when that horse is directly knickering at you and ordering you to come to him and give him something, um, you need to be aware that that horse is controlling your actions and dominant over you. When at feed time, when you're feeding every horse on the place and every horse on the place is knickering, right. uh, you're not going to you're not going to do anything about it, then it's only important that you never feed a horse in the moment he is acting poorly. So if that horse is showing dis 
aggressive displays of behavior, I would hold off on feeding him until he, until he could calm down momentarily. Um, but as long as you're not stopping what you're doing, and, and as long as that horse through his nickering at you is not controlling your actions, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, in other words, if as soon as he nickers, you go, oh, how sweet, and then you stop what you're doing and run over there and throw the alfalfa to him, um, you probably have a problem. So that, the nicker's more of an awareness thing. Now, okay. if you're, if you, when you hear horses snort and squeal, those potentially mean someone's in danger. So those should be red flag sounds. Um, when I hear them at clinics or anytime I'm working around horses, I immediately make an assessment of everyone, horses and people. Is everyone in a safe place? Mm -hmm. um, do horses need to be separated? Um, a horse that is just snorting at something, and, and by all means, he may be snorting at me. If he's a big, rude, obnoxious <laughs> horse that I just took a hold of to try to uh, get him under control, he may snort at me, and that's fine. I need to know that he's threatened by me. Um, that's good. He needs to have some deference from, for me. Um, but I also need to know that he may be willing to lash out at me. Right. So, um, and then when horses squeal, that's going to generally involve horse-on-horse -horse violence. And if a person is in the middle of horse-on-horse -horse violence, they that's can get killed. Scary. It happens, yeah. and I've seen it. And so my first alarm is where are the people and then my second alarm is to get these horses separated so that no one gets hurt. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a situation where the horses are loose out in the field and they're sort of getting used to each other, um, I probably wouldn't break it up. Um, I would let them sort their thing out. Um, but, so those are, those are two things that are just, you know, kind of sounds of alarm. So we want to mm -hmm. be wary of. And in many, and, and if not most instances, it's not a problem. It's just you want to be check to make right. sure it's not going to be it a problem. It doesn't become something else, right? And the scenario there I can think of is we have a, a mare next door, and sometimes she comes right up to the gate, and she'll stand there, you know, put her butt up to the, the gate, and she gets the geldings all riled up, and then she starts squealing, and... <laughs> And she's, they're divided, but I worry that somebody's going to kick at the fence or, you know, do something to themselves. And it's interesting that, you know, squealing is certainly a marish behavior, and it's certainly considered a reproductive behavior, but all horses will do it. Right. And, and it will, and certainly occurs between two male horses that are thinking of fighting. And, okay. And, um, you know, so, uh, but as you were describing that, I was kind of laughing in my head because most people would just sort of write that off to marriage behavior. Um, but, and, and while that, that certainly can be true, um, any horse might squeal and, and any horse might be threatening aggression towards any other horse. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, last but not least, the, uh, what are you going to do when the horse is whinnying incessantly? Okay. Um, you know, what I tell people, uh, first of all, if your horse can get the same feelings of security and comfort from you that he gets from the herd, you will no longer have this problem. Mm. That is earned through lots of groundwork, through lots of relationship building with your horse and and treating your horse in a manner that he can trust you, 
to be a strong leader, to take good care of him, to always keep him safe, um, to never um, say one thing and do another. Um, so that trust is developed um, you know, in many ways. And um, when you get there, that horse won't be whinnying. In the moment that he is whinnying, uh, all you can do is put that horse to work, try to take his mind off what he's worried about, uh, the mm -hmm. friend he is worried about. So uh, if I were riding and this was happening, I would immediately start riding that horse hard. We'd, I'd put him up right up to a long trot, start circling left, circling right, go this way, go that way, stop, back up, turn around. Um, and I would try to keep that horse's mind engaged in a positive direction, not in a mean, you know, harsh. Um, and you, you kind of alluded to something in the beginning that I think is important. Um, people get embarrassed and frustrated in that situation mm -hmm. when their horse is winning incessantly and they're embarrassed because you can't hear anyone. Right, right. Especially you know, in a clinic, yes. <laughs> To be honest, I don't even notice it because everywhere you go where there are horses, there are horses whinnying. When, if you got horses, you got whinniers. I don't even particularly notice it. But the person whose horse is doing that, of course, their eardrums are about to shatter and they're embarrassed and everybody's kind of looking at them like, wow, can't you control your horse, you know? Right. And um, so that person gets all frustrated and angry then they start, um, you know, their anger and frustration starts, it's like pouring gas on the fire to that horse that's feeling alone and distraught and insecure, and now you're punishing it for that feeling. And so it can, it can be, you know, it can kind of spiral out of control with the human and the, and the horse emotions. So we have to positively engage that horse in an activity that causes him to have to think about you and your leadership and your requests and your, you have to show him the way and you have to show him that you are in charge of things, you will take care of him, you are indeed in charge of him and, um, you know, where he is is a safe busy. place to be, right, right. Yeah. And so, and just to reiterate, you said this, but it's very different than, you know, a horse that won't go over the tarp, so you make the, the right thing easy and the wrong thing hard and go and circle them and work them like crazy. You're talking about something totally different than that, but calming down, giving them something to do, but still being the safe place, not doing that with the speed and angst that right. if they weren't doing what you asked. Well, he, if he is a trained horse, which presumably he is if you are riding him, do whatever it is he's trained to do. So start giving him directives in a normal way, but insisting that, you know, like I don't let him look around. I don't let him ride towards where their buddy is. I put him mm -hmm. to work in what they know how to do, which may just be, um, you know, trot and stop and turn right and turn left. Or it may be a lot more than that. Um, so I want to start issuing directives to that horse, directives that he knows and understands. Mm -hmm. And then as he complies with those directives, he, he's now thinking about you instead of his long-lost buddy. And um, as he complies, you start saying, well, that's a good horse. I right. think you are a good horse. And aren't we feeling better about ourselves now? And doesn't, it, doesn't this feel good? 
And then as he calms down, you know, maybe we let him rest a little bit. If he goes right back to fretting about his friend, right back to work we go. Yeah. But it's more a matter of issuing a lot of directives to that horse to get inside his head so that he's thinking about you and what you're asking and not his friend. He can't think about both of them at the same time. Right, right. Well, good. Julie, I think that makes a lot of sense, and it's more than just what are the sounds, but what do you need to know about your horse, and just that, that awareness of how do you understand where they are, take that information, and decide how you're going to act because of it. That's exactly right. Good. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here today with Desiree Johnson from Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. And Desiree, today I would love to have you walk us through the different styles of your jeans and then tell us about the sizing. Because I know that you have quite a bit of range in making sure that all riders can find the right fit. So let's start with that first. What are the different styles of riding jeans and who are the riders that fit best into those different styles? What kind of rider would wear each style? We have three different styles of smooth strides. We have the real riding jean plane, which has absolutely no micro suede. So then the second style is the extended knee patch. And this is a pat, this micro suede that uh, starts at the top of the knee uh, on the inside and goes all the way down to the hem. And then we have the full seat which looks very much from the back like a full seat you see in the dressage britches. Sure. And then extends all the way down to the floor, to the hemline. And again, um, it's all washable and dryable. We have uh, three different lengths. We have 31 inches, 33 inches, and 36 inches. Okay. So let's go back to the real riding jean. Tell me who would love that jean the most. Who's going to be riding in that and find that the, the best style that you have? Well, that's a good question. There are a couple different reasons I would feel that a gal would want a jean with no micro suede. One reason would be uh, temperature. The less microsuede, the cooler the jean. So if you live in a hot area, I would definitely suggest the real riding jean plane. And, and another reason is some gals don't want, they really don't want it to look like a riding jean. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of Western styles, they don't want their jean to look like an English jean. You know, an English right. jean, they just want a blue jean. Just give me a blue jean and let me ride in it. And cost, they are the, the, the least expensive of all three. You also might choose that if you wanted to ride and then go into town and not feel like you look like you're wearing a riding jean, right? Exactly. Exactly, yes. But mm-hmm. it still has the features. It has no bulky seam on the inside. And, and what other features still would you consider making that a riding jean rather than a regular pair of jeans? There's no cross seam. So in the other two styles, you do have the patches that are in areas that are off the pressure points. They're very specially designed seams that won't interfere with riding at all. The special thing about the real riding jean plane, it is literally absolutely and utterly clean on the inside. Okay. And then on the extended knee patch, what does that one look like? The extended knee patch, I feel, would be wonderful for gals who want to not put on half chaps. For instance, I'm an English rider. I put my paddock boots on, and I don't have to put boots on and off at all. I don't have to put a half chap on, take it off. All I do is get on my horse, get off, and I'm absolutely fine. It's a a a bit of reinforcement for the calf bicep that protects against the stirrup leathers and just gives you a little bit more stickiness there on your lower leg. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
is has a little bit more of a, a style flavor of of equestrianism. You know, it, it you can see it, and it's kind of flashy, but it's not as big as the full seat. Tell us about the full seat. Who wants to ride in that the most? The full seat I discovered covers two big, huge areas. Number one, some girls want a dress jean. They want a show jean. They want it to look like a riding jean. Sure. It's fancy. It's beautiful. It's sexy. You can go out, wear them out for as an evening pants. They're just a real beautiful riding jean. And the second aspect is they, the, the nap in the tack for very active riders, barrel racing, um, raining, you know, girls' western dressage, the nap really does help. Um, now, the, nothing can replace, you know, the leg strength for staying on a horse, of course, but the, uh, you know, dressage britches have that little bit of leather. After testing them myself, the little bit of nap really does help in the tack. Good. And they're warmer <laughs> for cold areas. They're That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, definitely different seasons of the year. You want that extra, extra help and, and extra help to just keep you in the saddle, feel secure. Right. Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. Check out smoothstride.com and find them on Facebook to thank them for making this podcast possible. Also, be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash podcasts for the full library of audio interviews you can listen to in the car or at the barn. 